Hello everyone and welcome to The Three Ball. I am your host Samuel or Sam and in today's podcast I'm going to be doing the Charlotte Hornets off-season guide. And if y'all don't know how these off-season guides work, I basically just lay out what I think the team should try to do this off-season, what some of their priorities should be, and what difficulties they may need to sort out. All that type of stuff will go down in an off-season guide. And the order in which I'm doing the teams is for the teams that did not make the playoffs, I'm going from worst record to best record. And for the teams that did make the playoffs, I am going from time of elimination. So the teams that got eliminated first will go first, and the teams that got eliminated last slash win the championship will go last. And that's a good segue for what I want to talk about. Just, just I briefly want to touch on Nuggets-Lakers Game 3. And I just want to give praise to the Denver Nuggets. They look like the best team in basketball right now. They have it clicking. They have one of the best players in the world, if not the best player in the world, Nikola Jokic. And he didn't even have an... He, he didn't have a super Nikola Jokic type of performance. He had a good performance, but it was not a super Nikola Jokic type of performance. And Jamal Murray, as we've seen this playoffs, is just an absolute killer. He's incredible. He's been great all series long for this Denver team. They, I'm sure they love having him right now because he has been phenomenal. Michael Malone has done a great job coaching. I love what he says at the press conferences. He's like, y'all gotta stop talking about the Lakers, man. Look at what we're doing. Darvin Ham, I'm sure he would rather be up 1-0 than down 0-1. And then they win Game 2, they win Game 3. This thing seems to be completely... Oh, I mean, it's going to be tough for the Lakers to come back 0-3. But the Nuggets just look like the superior team, and I think they are. The Lakers, it you got to get more out of a guy like D'Angelo Russell. Three points is not going to work. It's not going to work. And I, I honestly think that the team sort of right, quote-unquote rides behind D'Angelo Russell. I mean, you saw Game 6 against the Grizzlies. D'Angelo Russell had a phenomenal game, and they won that. I don't think they would have won if D'Angelo Russell didn't play like that. And even against Golden State, D'Angelo Russell wasn't terrible. That's all you need. You you He scored, I think, 8 points, 10 points, and 3 points. That's terrible for a guy like D'Angelo Russell. You cannot be having that. So D'Angelo Russell needs to step up his game if the Lakers want to win this series. Okay, that's enough of Lakers Nuggets talk. I'll have more dedicated playoffs type type of podcasts later because the playoffs are obviously very interesting, but I'm enjoying just watching them and just full on, you know, just taking it all in because it's really entertaining. This has been one of the better offs but one of the better playoffs. We've had a lot of fun stories, playing teams going to the conference finals. It's had a lot of fun twist this season. So, we're going to go ahead and start with the Charlotte Hornets. The first thing I'm going to direct your attention to is if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm putting up a graphic of some of the, some of the logistical stuff that Charlotte will deal with this offseason. It's going up on the screen right now. And for those of you listening, I will explain all of it. So, first up, I have a depth chart with contract situations and all stuff like that. So, the point guard position, the Hornets are obviously, start, obviously starting LaMelo Ball. He has one year left, and when I say one year left, I mean next year would be his last year. One year left, and then he'll become a restricted free agent. Behind Ball is Dennis Smith Jr., who will be a free agent this offseason. Behind Dennis is Terry Rozier. He has three years left. Behind Terry is Kobe Simmons, who's on a one-year deal. Starting at shooting guard is scary, is, is Terry Rozier. We, we already talked about him. Behind Terry is James Booknight. He has two years left, including a team option and then restricted free agency. Behind Booknight is Fima Kailuk. He's a pending free agent. 
and behind Mikhail Luke is Bryce McGowan's, who has three years left, two of which are team optioned, and he'll, then he'll be a restricted free agent. At small forward, they have Gordon Hayward, who has one year left on his deal. Behind Hayward is Kelly Oubre Jr., who is a free agent this offseason. Behind Oubre is Cody Martin, who's on a three-year deal. And behind Martin is Mikhail Luke. We already talked about him. At the power forward position, we have P.J. Washington, who is a pending free agent, but he's restricted. Behind Washington is J.T. Thor, who has two years left, including a team option. Behind Thor is Kai Jones, who has two years left, including a team option before restricted free agency. And lastly, at center, we have Mark Williams, who has three years left, including team options and restricted free agency. And behind Williams is Nick Richards, who has three years left on his deal. That behind Richards is, is Kai Jones, and we already talked about him. So that is the depth chart for the Hornets. As for their salary table outlook for 2023-24, and this is considering that they don't bring back any free agents and they accept all team options. So you have Gordon Hayward making $32 million next year, Terry Rozier making $23 million, LaMelo Ball making $11 million, Cody Martin making 8 Nick Richards and James Booknight each making 5 Mark Williams making 4 Kai Jones, 3 Kobe Simmons, JT Thor, Bryce McGowan's all at two for a grand total of $97 million. And with a projected salary cap being around $134 million, this would leave the Hornets with $37 million in cap room and about $65 million under the, lu- under the luxury tax. And with the second overall pick coming in, the projected cap room would likely decrease to about $30 million, so expect around $30 million as a realistic outlook of cap room this offseason for the Hornets. As for their first-round picks in, in, in the future, they have 2023, they have their own, obviously, that's the second overall pick. They also have Denver's first-round first pick, which is number 27. And and uh, the Denver pick is from the Steven Adams trade. It was given to OKC, traded to New York in, Jeng, in the Usman Jang trade, and then Charlotte in the Duran trade. It, it, it just sort of flew around hands in the draft day trades from last year. So they have Denver's pick. And in 2024, they have their own pick, but it's lottery protected. So if they're not in the lottery, they won't have it. And if it's not conveyed, it will also be lottery protected in 2025. I think that's going to San Antonio. If it does convey, they will have their own picks in 2025, 2026, 2027, 2028, and 2029. So for the most part, they have all of their first-round picks going forward, and they have a lot of freedom with what they want to do there. And that's most of the logistical outlook for the Hornets coming for next season. And now we're going to get to some of the talk about players and team and actual things that they can do this offseason. So the Hornets this year, I mean, they took a step back, but that's not saying that it wasn't expected. They were, they were a play-in team maybe last year. Let me go verify that. They won 27 games this year, which was not great. Yeah, they were a play-in team last year. They won 43 games last season. That drops down to 27. But for some reason, that wasn't really unexpected. I think a lot of people, personally, I didn't see it that this, this type of a step back from the Hornets. But I think a lot of people were thinking that the Hornets would take a step back, and they did. But it wasn't necessarily a bad step back because it ended up landing them the second overall pick where they can basically have whoever they want besides Victor Wembanyama, which is pretty crazy. And they could use any of these top draft picks. I mean, they have a very 
very incomplete roster from top to bottom. The only guy that you would say that you're completely sold on is Lamelo Ball. Everyone else isn't necessarily set in place. Scoot, I think, is the best player available at the second overall pick. He has generational type of potential, but he's sort of overshadowed by Victor Wimbanyama being in this draft class. As far as fit goes, Brandon Miller is the best fit because Gordon Hayward's not going to be here unless it's on a small deal after next season. Kelly Oubre might walk. That small four position is going to be open for the taking. Personally, I think that Brandon Miller would be a really nice fit. So it depends if Horn, if, if Charlotte wants to go best player available or if they want to go just best fit. And Brandon Miller's still a really good basketball player, so you wouldn't be losing too much by drafting him. And Miller still could be a better NBA player. He was incredible at Alabama, absolutely incredible. So we'll see what the Hornets do with that draft pick. It should be one of those two players. We'll see what they do, though. And, I mean, this team has a lot of free agents this offseason, so we'll see what they do about them. P.J. Washington's probably the biggest name. I think that you need to re-sign him as a restricted free agent. I mean, this was his best year of basketball from a scoring standpoint. Let me see how much he averaged real quick. He averaged about 16 points a game, 5 rebounds, shot the ball 35% from 3 on 6 attempts a game. Not bad stats at all for P.J. Washington. I think that he'll probably, you know, generate some decent interest from some of these young teams around the league, but I think you could get P.J. Washington back for around 15 to $20 million. I think that's probably the type of range for P.J. Washington. I, I don't think, he, if he's in more than $20 million, that's an overpay. If it's less than 15 it's probably, a, it, I would think it's a, pr- a pretty good, con- it depends how much below 15 If it's like 12 or below, then you got re- him on a really good deal. Otherwise, it's probably pretty fair for P.J. Washington. Like I said, he'll probably generate some interest, so if you're Charlotte, you're going to have to outbid some teams, and maybe you think a team's paying too much and you don't bring them back. Who knows? I'll let the, I'll, I'll let the Hornets management decide on that one. Another player that's fairly important that's going to be a free agent is Dennis Smith Jr. I think he should be an offseason priority. He, he actually had a really, really solid season this year. He averaged 9 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds. And he, and he did really well early in the season, filling in for LaMelo, since he was injured for a good part of the year. I think he'd be a valuable backup point guard going forward, especially if you draft Brandon Miller. I think that gives you all the more reason to keep Dennis Smith Jr. So I, I, I think that he should be a priority. He had a really good season, but I think that he he also might have some interest from some of these younger teams as for, like just who need a backup point guard. I think Dennis Smith Jr. showed that he still has value in this league. I think that he will find a team, whether that's Charlotte or somewhere else. I think Charlotte should try to make Dennis Smith Jr. a part of the team, but we'll see what they decide to do with him in this offseason. As for the other free agents, uh, Kelly Oubre and Shvi Mikhailuk, they could walk. I mean, Shvi, Shvi did not play too much. I think he came over in the Jalen McDaniels trade, I'm pretty sure. But I think in the games he played, he was really good. He averaged 10.6 points about three assists, and he shot the ball 40% from three. So he was actually a really, really valuable piece. I mean, and he played 22 and a half minutes a game in 19 games. He was not bad. I'm, I'm just not sure how much of a long-term type of piece he is because he's a 25-year-old who really only, his only role is to shoot the ball. He's a, he's 100% a good role player. But I don't know if you really want a role player. On a young type of team, I think on a young team, you're trying to get superstars. 
slash other guys. And once you get those guys in place, then you start developing role players. That's sort of my take on it. But I think you could bring him back. He had a really good season. But I could also see Charlotte letting him walk to get, make room for some of, some other other younger play young, some of their other younger pieces. I will allow them to develop. And then there's Kelly Oubre Jr. He'll have a decent free agent free agent marking from some from contending teams who need a small forward or a shooting guard who can start at times. I mean, Oubre started a lot at the two this year, especially when Terry Rozier had to go by point guard in Lamelo Ball's absence. Terry Rozier got a a lot of those starting minutes, and Kelly Oubre ended up filling for Rozier at the two. Let me see how many games Oubre started this year. It was 40, and he only played 48, so he he started the majority of his games. He can come off the bench at the same time. He can give you valuable minutes no matter what he does. I mean, he averaged the most points of his career this season. He averaged 20, 5 rebounds. Three-point percentage wasn't great, about 32, but that's okay. He was shooting seven a game. You want either the shot attempts to go down or the percentage, preferably the percentage to increase. But we'll see. I mean, that he's a shooter. He'll be, he'll be fine. He can increase that. I'm not too worried about that. I think Ubre can improve that three-point shooting. Uh, like I said, he averaged the most points of his career. That's likely due to increased opportunities without Lamelo there. Still, I think this was, this could attract a competitive team, while the Hornets might focus on some of their younger guys instead of Ubre. For example, if they do go get Brandon Miller, maybe you don't want Kelly Ubre because you're committing to Kelly or you're committing to Brandon Miller. Personally, I don't think that Ubre will be back. There's a chance. I don't think he'll be wearing a Hornets uniform next year. I think that another team will probably end up paying more, and I think that Kelly Ubre will be on a more competitive roster. The team should be right around the salary cap level if they do bring PJ back and Dennis back and get that second overall pick. But they could still if, if they get PJ for fifteen million, they get Dennis Smith Jr. for six million, and if they get seven million eight million for their second overall pick, that's about twenty eight million dollars. So you should still have nine million dollars about in projected cap room, which, I mean, you can go get a player with $9 million. You can go get somebody who could fit in. I think that you can go target such, like, a like a player like a power forward. They don't really have a deep power forward rotation. I think you could go get one in free agency. That is, if you don't draft one. But there's not. The best power forward in this draft seems to be Jairus Walker, and I don't think you want to reach for him with the second overall pick. So I doubt that they end up with a power forward with that pick. So they'll probably have to go get a guy in free agency instead. I think that will probably be a little bit better. I think that another thing that the Hornets will be glad about in, in, in the future is uh, Gordon Hayward because his contract will be up after next season. I mean, he's 31, 32 million for 15, 4, and 4. That That's not incredible stats for that amount of money. While only, well, I mean, while being injured, he's only played 50 games this year at 33 years old. It's not really favorable, but like I said, his contract will be up after next season. They'll have flexibility, but when his contract is up, Lamelo's kicks in. So basically, that type of contract will be, just be shifted from Hayward to Lamelo. But I still don't think Hayward would make what Lamelo is making now. I, I you definitely wish that Gordon Hayward's contract would be up after this season. If you really wanted to just get rid of him now, you could send him to a team like Houston or San Antonio, but that might cost you a first-round pick. For a team like Charlotte, I don't know if you want to give up a first-round pick. If you had gotten Victor Wimbanyama, then maybe, but you didn't. So I don't think you want to give up a first-round pick. Like I said, um, 
I would expect for LaMelo this season, we see him get his contract extended, likely a max, because that's what he's shown. Was LaMelo an all-star? I think he was last year. Not this year, the year before. I think he was an all-star. And if he's not, he's all-star caliber type of player. He averaged 23.6 rebounds and 8 assists in the games he did play this year, but was only 36. But he was injured multiple times. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't different injuries. It was... I mean, it was different injuries. It wasn't the same thing that was keeping him out for a long time. He had multiple injuries, which is not, not good. He's also shooting the ball a lot more. He's shooting 20 shots a game, 11 three-pointers a game, as opposed to, a, to 17 shots at 8 threes in 2022, which is good. You want to see your star players taking leaps in terms of confidence and, you know, shot attempts. You want your best players shooting the ball more. So that's a good sign. You want LaMelo shooting as many shots as possible because he's a young player. He's your best player. You want to give him the his best chance of success, and the way you do that is by giving him shot attempts and by giving him opportunities, and he's taking them, which is what, you know, that, that's exactly what you want. But like I said, injuries derailed his season. It's not a good sign that he, he got different injuries. You don't want that to be a lingering issue. You want to try and fix those problems because LaMelo Ball is the guy that you are building around. He is that foundational piece. But if he's injured all the time, you're not going to be super competitive with him. And that's not good. You need him to be healthy as soon as he can be because he's the guy you're building around. You want your players to have chemistry with him. You want him to have chemistry with these other guys so that when they do play together, LaMelo can lead this team, get them the wins they need, and get them back into the playoffs and get them to having playoff success. So you definitely need to fix those injury problems. But uh, Dennis Smith and Terry Rozier both filled in well at point guard in his absence. I've already talked about Dennis Smith's impact. He's He was very, very solid this season. But Rozier was also super important to this. He filled in at point a ton of times this season. That, Like I said, that allowed Kelly Oubre to get started to the two, which isn't a bad starting lineup because I think Kelly Oubre was a really good bench piece, but you don't really... I don't know. Honestly, they were starting Gordon Hayward every single game this year. Why? I don't know. Maybe because Oubre was starting at the two, so they didn't have a reason to... But even Oubre didn't start all of his games. I think they just start Hayward. I think that's just what they do. I don't know. Maybe they like the fit better, or they're just like, hey, we're playing this guy $32 million. He's got to start. Who knows what the Hornets are thinking, but maybe they just want Uber as a sixth man, but that, got, that allowed him to get starts. Back to Rogier though. This season, he averaged 21 points, 5 assists. He shot the ball. It wasn't great. They're about 33% from three. You want that to be a little bit better, but that's okay. And, I mean, th- both uh, his points and assists are the highest in his career, but I think that Rozier is an interesting player slash piece, right? He's a 29-year-old combo guard who's only like six foot one. I think he'll work on a competitive team, but I don't know how he works on a team like the Hornets. I but I doubt his impact anywhere else will be huge if he has to play the shooting guard. It works in Charlotte because he's playing with a six foot one guy in Lamelo Ball, but rarely do small backcourts work out. The only other small backcourt that I can think of off the top of my head is Cleveland with Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. But those guys are both stars, superstars in their own rights. Terry Rozier is not a superstar or a star. He's not even an all-star caliber player. He's a good NBA player. That is what Terry Rozier is. 
So if he's playing with another small guard, I don't know how good he would be. So I don't think that his impact in another situation would be as good as it is in Charlotte, which may lower his value a little bit. But I think that teams will be interested in in Terry Rozier, a team who needs a combo guard to come off the bench and give him buckets. I think that Terry Rozier will be an interesting piece, and I think that Charlotte should look into trades for him, especially if they want to go draft uh, Scoot Henderson. Because if you draft Scoot Henderson, right, you have Scoot and Lamelo. You don't need, with respect to Terry Rozier, you don't really want him there because you have your two guards who are going to lead this team. And and Terry Rozier is not a part of that anymore. And if he's there, he's just he, he's only going to take minutes away and shots away from those guys because you're not going to play all three of them at the same time. But you want to give Scoot 30 minutes a game. You want to give Lamelo 30 to 35 minutes a game. And if you bring back Dennis Smith Jr., you don't want to bring him back for nothing, so he needs to get some minutes. If Terry Rozier's not going to get many minutes, and you're paying him a good amount of money, too, for the next three years. That's not good. If you pay out a lot of money, you want them to be good. You want to make sure you get the value out of that money, which is why they might be starting Gordon Hayward. I don't know. But Terry Rozier, he's making $23 million to come off the bench? That's not what you want. You'd rather deal that. It doesn't matter what you get back in return. It'll be it would be more valuable, I think, because you're getting you might be shaving some money, or you might be getting a position that fits a little bit better with what the team is trying to do. Because if they draft Scoot, they have no use for other good guards. They just simply put don't. And Terry Rozier might take away from those guys. So if they draft Scoot, it's a hundred percent a sign that Terry Rozier will likely not be on the roster at the start of next season. If they don't, then I would expect him to be there. So we'll see what Charlotte decides to do with Terry Rozier. If they do want to continue this younger approach, like I said, the Rozier trade would hundred percent be in the works. Um, and I, I think an interesting team for Terry would be a team like the Mavericks, especially if Kyrie leaves, because we've seen Luca work with Jalen Brunson. And we've seen uh, we've seen Terry Terry Rozier work with a tall point guard, so I, I think that Terry Rozier would actually just it would be a very similar situation for him. I think it would be very lateral, and you would move to a team with a more consistent point guard, with a more healthy point guard, and with better supporting pieces. So I think if you're Dallas and Kyrie leaves, you need to look into a Terry Rozier type of trade. I don't know what you would give up because I know you don't want to give up Josh Green, but if the Hornets are trying to do that, they would want Josh Green. We'll we'll see though. That'll be interesting. I I think they'll be I think that'll be a good addition for the Mavericks. And then for some of the younger pieces on this roster, such as James Booknight, Bryce McGowan's, J.T. Thorne, and Kai Jones, some develop some developing is definitely needed for some of these guys. Booknight this season was better, but it was it was only marginally better. He averaged five and a half points, two rebounds, thirty percent from three, thirty six percent from the field, both awful efficiency. You never want to see efficiency like that. He only averaged one more point this season. He played five more minutes. I don't think he'll ever be worthy of that 11th overall draft spot they took him in. And, you know, I, I wanted the Grizzlies to take him there. So maybe I'm happy we didn't. We got Zaire, who hasn't been all that either. But enough Grizzlies talk. An- another young guy, Bryce McGowan's. He actually had a really promising rookie year for a second-round pick. He averaged five points a game, two rebounds. His shooting was actually a little bit better than Book Knight's. He shot 32.5% from three and 40% from the field in total. 
He does need to improve that efficiency, though. It's not good. In comparison to Book Knight, it may be good, but in comparison to the rest of the league, it's not. So he does need to work on giving on breaking that back up. JT Thor was given a larger role in his second season, but he didn't really capitalize too much on it. He added two points and a rebound for a total of four points and 2.2 rebounds. Not great stats. And Kai Jones is in a similar situation. He was given a larger role. It was better production for him. 3.4 points, 3 rebounds. But it's not significant production. It's just better production simply due to the fact that he was given more minutes and a larger role. And another young guy that I think... uh, Turning the page on the young guys that you're kind of iffy on. A young guy you're happy with is Mark Williams. As a rookie, he was given the keys to the starting position once the team traded Mason Plumlee. I think when they traded Plumlee, they made it clear, hey, Mark, you're the guy. We are invested in you. What did they even get back for Plumlee? I don't know. So there was no... any. Honestly, I'm, I'm just going to... I'm Whatever. I don't know what they got back for Plumlee. Hornets fans, y'all might know. I'll look it up after the podcast because I, I want to know. But... Williams was given, like I said, given the keys once they traded Plumlee, and he scored 12 points and 10 rebounds in the 17 games that he started, which was, uh, but in his in his total stats, it would show up as 9 points and 7 rebounds, but when he started, he scored more and he grabbed more rebounds. 12 and 10 is really good. Obviously, he's not a good shooter or anything, but that's okay. Not everyone on the court needs to be a good shooter because P.J. Washington can make up for it because he's a pretty shooter as a power forward. So it's okay if the center isn't necessarily a good shooter. And like I said, grabbing 10 rebounds in about 26 minutes a game is very, very promising for the Hornets. That's really, really promising. You'd like to see what that. You'd like to see Mark Williams doing that. You want to see him getting a high volume of rebounds. You compare that with Lamelo and the other three-point shooters. Like I said, he doesn't need to shoot the ball. You have other three-point shooters all around the court right now. You'll be fine if Mark Williams can't shoot. Uh, and then the, the, their backup center, Nick Richards, he was also really, really good this season. He improved to 8 points and 6 rebounds on 63% shooting this season. I think that the Hornets' big man rotation, something that's historically been known as trash and really bad, is, is actually solid enough to a point where you're not furious you didn't get Victor because you cleared the way. San Antonio cleared the way for Victor Wembanyama when they traded Jakob Pertl. The Hornets, they, they, they traded Plumlee to give larger roles to, to Richards and Williams, and they took advantage. Both of those guys have been really, really good this year, so I don't think you need to be concerned about the center position. I think you can leave it. I think you can leave it be, let Williams develop. Nick Richards is also still fairly young. He's not old. He's 25. He's not super old. He still can develop. So I think that those two guys, as far as centers go, you're happy with. So continue to work, develop on developing those guys. I don't think they should go get a center this offseason just to replace them. I think they've. I think those two guys have proven to be valuable. And then the last player that I want to talk about on this roster is Cody Martin. He was injured basically the entire year. He only played seven games. Not a good sign. I'm not sure what you do with him if you're the Hornets. He could be packaged in a trade. Like if you trade Terry Rozier, he could be packaged in a trade. I wouldn't be surprised if he's back in Charlotte. I wouldn't be surprised if he's traded. I don't know what happens with Cody Martin at this point because you have guys who are currently above him in the rotation because, let's see, at, 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 according to my depth chart, he's behind Kelly Oubre and Gordon Hayward at the two. Kelly Oubre might be gone. Gordon Hayward, if they don't draft Brandon Miller, then Cody Martin, I think, would be a valuable guy. But if they draft Brandon Miller, 
Cody Martin may not be needed anymore, especially if they bring Mikhail Luke back. I don't think Cody Martin's going to be super impactful anymore. And and that's most of the stuff that I wanted to touch on for the Hornets. And recap, the Hornets this offseason, I think they really need to bring back P.J. Washington and Dennis Smith, if possible. And then you need to decide what to do with Kelly Oubre and Svi Mikhailuk. You might want to bring those guys back. You might want to let them walk. And then you need to decide if you want to bring in a new free agent, who you want to bring in, what position you want them to fill. Do you want them to be a younger guy, more veteran? What route do you want to take? And that might depend on who they draft. Uh, also, with the Terry Rozier trade, it needs to be considered. His value is likely peaking right now. Since he's in his prime, he's on a three-year deal, and he's playing some of the best basketball in his career. Especially, like I said, if they draft Scoot, Terry Rozier could definitely be on his way out. Cody Martin trade could also be in the works. I wouldn't be surprised if he's wearing a different jersey at the start of next season. The Hornets also have a ton of, like, mediocre, middle-tier young pieces like Book Knight, McGowan, Thor, and Jones. I think that you need to just, out of all these guys, I don't think you can work with all of them. I think you need to invest in one and say, okay, this is the guy we're going all in for. The other guys, maybe not. Cause otherwise, all their minutes are going to be just useless because you're not giving them enough minutes. Because sometimes players need to have minutes in order to prove themselves. Because in the limited minutes they have, they try to do too much. But if they have more minutes, they feel more comfortable, they get more relaxed, you see who they really are. And if you have all four of these guys playing, taking each other's minutes, it's just going to be chaos. So I think you need to invest in one or two of them. Like I said, otherwise their minutes are kind of void. They need to decide which of these guys are more long-term as well. If you don't think they're long-term, you could even explore trading them. I'm not opposed to training some of these guys if you don't think they're a part of your long-term future. The last thing is the center rotation is solid enough. You don't need to make changes to it normally. The Hornets do. I think it's solid enough right now where you're happy. You're not furious you didn't get Victor. I think you're happy. And I think you'll be you're happy with having another guy like a Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller who can come in and just be really, really good from day one. I think that either one of them is going to be the second best player on the team the moment they step into the locker room, or at least the second most impactful player behind LaMelo Ball. And if LaMelo gets injured, hopefully not. But if he does, Miller or Scoot's going to be the number one option, which would be really interesting to see. I'd like, I'd like to see that for those guys. But either way, they're going to be at worst a number two. They're going to have plenty of opportunities in Charlotte. Hopefully, the Hornets develop them correctly. And that is going to do it for today's podcast. If you guys did enjoy, make sure y'all show support on whatever thing you're listening on. Um, tomorrow we will have the Portland Trailblazers, and we'll talk about the third overall pick, right? They have the third pick, yeah. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Damian Lillard. That'll be fun. I'm excited for that one. So make sure y'all tune in for that. Thank you all so much for listening. And until next time, I'm out.